us viewing 9976 in Jurassic Park one minute time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're discuss minute 68 of The Lost World. Uh, ending out uh, a week here of uh, a lot of talk, talk and walking. Um, before we get into that, do we little one little bit of news to go over? Um, video 15 has been released for The Lost World Restoration Project. The trail is in Huntington Beach where it's uh, in a secure yard, but um, it's going to be there... Work's halted for a couple of months while Frank has to go and do some other things, but then the uh, interior work begins. So you can organise through their page to uh, to go and get access to the site and um, get some photos with it. You mm-hmm. don't you don't need to um, you don't need to pay podcasts for episodes. You can get from somewhere else for free. They've got a I don't know if it's a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter page up. Um, all the all the links are on their on their Facebook page though. Go and go and throw them five bucks or something and help them get the project going because like okay now you might be me in a different country or like you Dave on the other side of the country, but five to ten years you never know you might be able to uh, visit that area again, go and see it, and if it's been uh, refurbished and rebuilt then it's going to last a lot longer. That's not the problem. What is? What is the problem? Velociraptors. Our infrared show that their nesting sites are concentrated in the island interior, which is why we plan to keep to the island. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What's that? Veloso- Velociraptor. Carnivore. Pack hunter. About two meters tall, long snout, binocular vision, strong dexterous forearms, and killing claws on both feet. Dave, ready to go for 68? Yeah, sure. All right. As we entered in 67 of the Lost World, Ian was grilling Roland for not respecting the death of Eddie Carr. As we start minute 68, Roland tells Ian that Eddie's troubles are over, and that his point is predators don't hunt when they're not hungry. Nick jumps in with only humans do. Not batting an eye, Roland starts walking away from the group and says, Oh, you're breaking our hearts. Now saddle up. Let's get this movable feast underway. 67 minutes and 10 seconds, we get a shot of waves pounding in the surf as a group of survivors start walking towards the island interior. At 67 minutes and 25 seconds, we cut back to night as a torrential downpour soaks everything. The group walks through a small stream, and Nick runs past everyone to catch up to Roland. At 67 minutes and 31 seconds, Nick offers Roland gum. Roland looks down, but continues walking, ignoring the offer. Nick asks Roland, You look like you have a shred of common sense. What the hell are you doing here? At 67 minutes and 40 seconds, Roland takes a look at Nick for a moment and then says someone on this island is the greatest predator that's ever lived and the second greatest predator must take him down. Nick gestures to Roland's gun and asks if he's going to use that. Roland replies, if he doesn't surrender, yes. At 67 minutes and 51 seconds, after Nick tries to grab the end of the gun, Roland puts it on his other shoulder. Nick laughs to himself. The animals existed for the first time in tens of millions of years. And the only way you can express yourself is to shoot it. And as we end the minute, Roland asks Nick if he remembers that chap from about 20 years ago. And this ends minute 68 of The Lost World. Uh, after Ian sort of grilled Roland for not uh, respecting Eddie's sacrifice in the previous minutes, um, Roland replies, well, his troubles are over. Which, yeah, they're in survival mode here. Malcolm should know that they've, they've just sort of gone from one danger and they're about to walk into another danger and 
Um, it's probably not the best place to have a child either. <laughs> but um, Roland sort of turns and starts to walk away from Ian, and uh, the camera pulls back, and um, and Roland sort of says as he's walking away that uh, my point is predators don't hunt when they're not hungry. Nick jumps back in here with uh, only humans do, and Roland doesn't bat an eye. He just says, oh, you're breaking our hearts. Saddle up, let's get this movie all feast underway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as we said towards the last of the end of the minute, they've obviously seen that uh, Eddie died, w- mm-hmm. was eaten, and didn't go over over the cliff. But either way, Malcolm sort of grilled him for his not respecting Eddie's sacrifice. And uh, he doesn't have to trek across the island now. <laughs> we get a nice shot here, which is either early morning or late evening. I think it's... Uh, it's supposed to be like middle of the night, mm. but he needed enough light for the cameras to actually see the actors. So okay. they filmed it at like probably early morning or late night, you know? Yep. yep. But because the next shot we see is, is dark again. Mm. Yeah. But I think but... it's like the previous scene. I mean, even though there's not really any lights, they just needed enough light for us to actually see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the score picks up. Um, Roland's leading the group. It's so you got that. You got the um, ocean. You can just see the ocean and the waves crashing behind them through the trees. So it's mm-hmm. sort of signifying that they're leaving the coast behind um, and heading inland. But then it cuts to uh, cuts back to darkness again. It's raining really heavily. Yeah. Um, Why don't the... they move back into an area where the storm was still hadn't left? You know. Yeah. yeah. If they moved back into the storm if the storm was moving like. Uh, from the north into the south, and they just move that way. Hmm. Yeah, well, you, you normally it's two. If you get one sort of storm, there's a couple others dotted around it. Might mm-hmm. be another another front coming through. Yeah, um, possibly. It's interesting that this entire shot there, this entire minute, actually takes place on location, different, completely different locations. Actually, hmm. the um, shot we get that's kind of mid or that's kind of like early morning, but it's not, was filmed at Kathy's Beach. And then this shot here, the shot where they're talking in the rain, was filmed at um, Fern Canyon, where Dieter later dies. And, yeah. And so they just struck a, uh, stuck a um, big, giant sprinkler system and shot and must have brought, like, a portable water tank and just um, filmed it that way. Because yeah. they're walking along the creek bed, you know? Hook a fire truck into it or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yep. No, the, there's a behind-the-scenes shot, and I'll post it up on um, the Facebook page and Instagram when we're when we when this minute goes live. Yep. It shows there's like on a there's a camera on the track, and next to the camera is a uh, like a hose with um some with water sprinkle uh, just kind of like spouting out of it, you know. Well, uh, yeah, it, there's definitely a lot of water falling here. <laughs> any any hope of them staying dry is sort of gone. They're soaked mm-hmm. to the bone. But yeah, yeah, we sort of brought this up in an earlier minute too that um, they went back to Eureka for this and didn't actually film it on the uh, on the set. But um, yeah. we get Nick here sort of pushes past a hunter and says, "Excuse me, cowboy," and uh, stops That's by Roland. Oh, is it? I think it might be. Oh, okay. I can't tell, but I think it might be. Yeah, because he's got the um, he's got the light pack on his shoulder, doesn't he? Is that that hunter? Or yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, but the nose looks like his. Yeah. You know, it's got that kind of parrot hook nose. Yep. Yeah, but he runs up and sort of steps, steps or comes in to step beside Roland and uh, 
Ask him if he wants some gum. <laughs> Which... Uh, that, that'd have to be wet. Because he pulls it out of his pocket and sort of unwraps yeah. it. And then he, he Nick sort of puts it in his mouth and eats it. Well, Roland's mm-hmm. just sort of like, what what the hell is going on? Um, well, I, I, I think it, I always kind of assumed that this was like Nicoderm gum or something like that. And yeah. Because yep. when uh, Nick first gets to the island, he tries to light up and light up a cigarette and Sarah tells him not to. Yeah. But I think he's been chewing gum habitually every time he wants a cigarette. Yeah, good point. And he would have surely either Hammond or Sarah would have told him in the initial briefing that, um, hey, you're not you're not smoking on islands, even though yeah. he took took a pack with him anyway. But um, he would have had to try and get some gum or something to sort of get around those mm-hmm. those cravings while he's there. Um, but um, uh, in the in the pre Diego San Diego script, it was a lot darker, and I'm probably it's probably a good thing they cut it. It's um. Ian's sort of walking with a with a heavy limp, and Roland sort of falls in the step behind him and asks him if he's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Ian doesn't answer. Um, uh, Roland asks, um, sort of says, "Did I ask the wrong question?" Um, and Ian replies with, "Have you heard of Gambler's Ruin?" Which we've talked about before on the on the show. Um, yeah. Roland asks, "What's that?" And Malcolm says, "A sophisticated phenomenon." Says everything in the world goes in streaks. It's real. You can see it everywhere in weather, in river flooding. In baseball, in blackjack, in stock markets. Once things go bad, they tend to stay bad. Bad things cluster. They go to hell together. Um, Roland replies yeah, to I know, him. I know what scene you're talking about. And it's really, I, I mean, it's kind of interesting because it's very Malcolm. And in the same way, it's also very Crichton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, and so the scene kind of plays out longer. Yeah, because we get Roland sort of asking Malcolm feel a bit blue do we and um Malcolm sort of glances at Kelly who's um who's walking a bit further ahead and uh Malcolm Mm -hmm. replies just flawed very deeply flawed Roland asks Malcolm why'd you come here Malcolm replies so the others know about this place Roland replies why should they and Malcolm because it exists uh Roland it still exists even if uh whether or not people know about it um, mm-hmm. But then Malcolm sort of yes, and people live in the absence of truth. Roland says so. The truth is more important than your real life or than your life. Um, Malcolm lulls his voice. I don't care about my life, but um, if I thought, ever thought for a second it should be in danger, and um, Roland sort of glazes towards Kelly's, who's um, about ten yards ahead of him, and he asks Malcolm if she's his. Um, yeah. And Kelly can of course hear what they're saying. Malcolm replies with, I'm afraid so. I don't know what the hell I'm doing with kids. I never should have had a... Which is a dark place to go, sort of mm-hmm. walking here next to Roland. And then of... he takes even darker. I mean, he then starts like questioning whether humans should even exist in the first place and what, whether they're just like a walking extinction. And one yeah. actually has to, like... He just grabs him by the scruff and just shakes him. Yeah. He's like, don't you, I'm trying to, I'm fighting panic here. Don't try to, don't make this worse for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because they sort of, um, after he sort of wonders why he had Kelly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and she overhears him. And uh, I think it's sad that, I mean, just the way uh, Cap describes it in the script is that this uh, 
just I can imagine the image of hurt just across her face, you know. Yeah, and it, after everything she's just witnessed and experienced as well, and now to hear her father sort of disown her, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's 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 really dark. And as mm-hmm. you said, it's it feels very crite, and it's sort of similar to what Malcolm does in the novel, where on his fever dream or dosed up with morphine, starts to go rambling about how humans are just destroying the world and all that sort of stuff. And it happens here, where in the script he's sort of he's talking to Roland about all this stuff. And all of a sudden, they just sort of stop and um, look around, like the whole group of survivors just stopped and mouth open, watching Ian mm-hmm. as he's sort of sitting there saying, "We're all we're all doomed. We we have the we should die. We don't deserve to be here, and all this sort of stuff." And as you said, yeah, Roland grabs him and sort of says to him, "Cut it out." Sort of everyone's scared and trying to keep everything together, and here you are being the doomsayer and mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff as well, which. It was just interesting, but then they sort of, they cut back to um, Malcolm Marx and Roland why he's here, and we get the whole, somewhere on this island exists the uh, greatest prayer that's ever lived, but um, in the film here we get Nick Nick sort of say that, but mm-hmm. um, back to the film, Roland looks down, and then back up, not stopping, as Nick tries to hand him the gum, and uh, Nick sort of laughs a bit, and says, uh, you look like you have a shred of common sense. What the hell are you doing here? And I love here too because you can really see the height difference between Roland and Nick. Like yeah. Just, just how tall. Um, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. That's. I was, I, last night when I was writing the notes, I was like, I had, I had Peter and Vince, and I'm like, Vince, Vince. As, as the Chris Evans debate again. <laughs> just good. <laughs> I, I just kept on thinking Van Allen. It's not Van Allen, and I said to the wife, I said, I, he's in dodgeball. Who was it? <laughs> But, um, yeah, great, great sort of difference in height here. But, um, Roland sort of comes back with this great little monologue here. Somewhere on the island is the greatest predator that ever lived, and the second greatest predator must take him down. Which, um, honestly, is probably one of my favorite lines from Roland. Yeah. I mean, I, I like a lot of his lines, but that's just one of the, one that sticks with you. That he considers, he considers himself inferior to a primeval animal, you know? Mm. You won't get many people to, to admit that. But then I wonder if he's looking at the right animal. I can't remember um, which way we sided with the uh, sort of the hunting patterns of the carnivores when we had the uh, listener feedback episode. Um, friend of the show, Matt, sort of asked a question: which uh, which predators we thought had the best attack patterns and that in the, and strategies in the film. Oh, I, I'm guessing he'd say. I'm guessing he'd say Tyrannosaur mainly because it's a, the large, or well, as far as we know, the largest carnivore on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what I mean. I mean, when you when you think about uh, like successful and intelligent and kind of the best predator, it's Velociraptor hands down. But when you consider the greatest, who's the great? Who's the great dinosaur that everybody thinks of? Who's everybody's favorite dinosaur? It's T Rex. You well, know? and as we see in that deleted um, Nabibia scene, he says, Tarja, you go up to me ranch and tell me what's on the wall that would even sort of get me interested in this expedition. Mm-hmm. A Trenosaur head on the wall would be sort of the most iconic of on-island stuff to do. And no, that I'm sure he would have sort of done a little bit of research and either seen, okay, Velociraptor pack hunter and just gone, nah, nah, not, not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> 
and possibly even sort of seen that uh, what happened from the last Velociraptor attack we've seen with <laughs> Muldoon. Mm-hmm. But um, and then <laughs> one little nitpick I've got here, like how he's saying yeah, I'm the great, uh, second greatest predator. He's walking with his gun pointed in the air in the downpour, and that barrel's <laughs> just filling with water. <laughs> oh, I was going to mention that. Yeah. Well, especially the amount of rain that's falling. Mm-hmm. Um, those two big shotgun barrels pointing upwards are just going to have... They're like funnels. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, You're definitely going to have some wet powder. Yeah. Well, we see in a minute where he sort of puts it down to change arm. I would have loved if half a litre of water just ran out. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick gestures um, gestures here to his gun and tries to touch it. Mm-hmm. And says, are he you going to... He kind of grabs at it, and then Roland just... Moves it to his other shoulder so that Nick can't. Well, that's that's the other thing too, because Nick gestures and says, um, "Are you going to use that?" And Roland says, "If he doesn't surrender, yes." And Nick just grabs the end of the barrel and pulls it towards his face, like he wants to look down, <laughs> do a Bugs Bunny and look down the barrel of Elmer Fudd's <laughs> blunderbust. It's just, it's a very weird, weird thing for Nick being, as he said in Bosnia, that so knowing firearm danger, and then just grabbing the end of the gun and looking down the <laughs> trying to look down the end of the barrels. It's weird, but Roland sort of wrestles it from his grip and puts it on his other arm then. And mm-hmm. um, Nick just laughs. and says the animals exist on the planet for the first time in tens of millions of years, and the only way you can express yourself is to kill it. Yeah. Um, which, yes and no, as an environmentalist, that's exactly how you'd, how you'd think. Um, mm-hmm. As a big white hunter, then yes... No one else has had the chance to hunt it. I'm going to be... There's probably some fortune and glory there, but that's not really oh, what yeah. he's there for. But I'm sure it would uh, start quite a lucrative black market industry of big white hunters going to sauna, mm-hmm. which I'm surprised hasn't really come up before <laughs> in the franchise. Yeah, uh, at least poaching. Along. Yeah, poaching, poaching mainly, but sort of that... We get a little hint of it in Jurassic Park 3 with... The um, parasail tours past the island, but that's pretty minuscule. Yeah, and then we end the minute with uh, Roland saying, "Remember that chap about twenty years ago? I forget his name." Which <laughs> do you do you remember that guy about five years ago that uh, that lived in America? And <laughs> it's 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 pretty general. Yeah, but, I mean the people who climb Everest are an, ex- an exclusive group, so you know you can look up the like the nineteen. 19- 87 people who've climbed Everest in, without oxygen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll get to that in the next minute, that he's actually referring to a climber that climbed Everest with, uh, out of any oxygen. And um, people ask him why he go up there to die. Because it is a, it is pretty much a death, unless you've got uh, pretty unique physiology. If you go up there without oxygen, you'll uh, suffocate, um, just because the elevation, that, but... Um, the bloke yeah. replied that I went up there to live, not die, so... And we could probably talk about him um, next semester... I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> next semester. <laughs> next minute. It was uh, Reynold Messner and Peter Havelier yep. who uh, who did it in May of 1978. Yep. Which which is a bit further back than 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, for, from now it is, but from 1997... Oh, so now, yeah, yeah, no, good point. Yeah, it is too. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of 
Yeah, and it's, it just comes down to sort of the way the minute-by-minute minute, minute thing is, how we end here, but um, if we hadn't ended here, then we would have got to the uh, Everest part, but we just end here. Remember that chap 20 years ago? I forget his name, and <laughs> we're left with vagueness. But, um, yeah, anything else on 68 you want to bring up before we close it out for the week? Yeah, I think we're good. Lovely. All right, guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com, email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com, Facebook, The Lost World Minute, Twitter, at The Lost World Minute, and Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. (laughs) Uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.